It's Monday, June 21st, 2010. This is the Option Key webcast. This is the Option Key webcast. Stuff on Google. PC. Fred, you got Vista 64 yet? His router's piece of garbage on. That's probably the hyper-threading kicking in and the 20% faster per core. GTX 280. Google Docs. Not fun. Yeah, well, you know, you understand where Microsoft's trying to come from, where they're trying to change the file edit view menu. My money's going to be on, no, you will not have a problem. And, uh, yeah, I've had nothing but good experiences with it. Very big mistake if it wasn't backwards compatible, because, I mean, they got harassed about Vista. Well, in the business world, if your apps don't work, you don't switch. Because the thing here is, I mean, the apps are backwards compatible. Yeah, but we heard this all before. You know what? I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it lasted you know, for five years, and I bet you. So yours will be better right now for rendering, but the i7s will be faster. I have here with me uh, Darcy and Natalie from... Uh, what's the blog? <laughs> the Review Crew, www.thereviewcrew.com. And Natalie, uh, what's the part that you cover there? Uh, well, we actually covered um, a lot of things together. Um, maybe maybe we can just do like a run through of like what we uh, sort of saw. In general, we cover like the, the review crew is all about uh, looking at video games and accessible consumer technology. Uh, we share a lot of those stories, throwing them back and forth. So uh, whatever we find to be really interesting that we want to share, uh, we go ahead and do that. Excellent. Oh, and there was a bunch of stuff about Android at E3, too. Did you guys catch any of that? No, no. I missed it. You know, the problem with E3 is that it's just such a massive... Just, yeah, it's just such a large uh, uh, thing that it's hard to see all that stuff. Well, what was the stuff that you guys saw there? Uh, well, the first two days were press conferences, actually. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of stories come from there. So we went to the Microsoft one, uh, the Nintendo and Sony one. Um, we also did a lot of booth tours, like with a lot of the developers. Um, we went to Bethesda's and the Warner Brothers Interactive. Um, and when you go to those booth tours, like there's there's a few things you do. You uh, you can talk to the developers. You can get a hands on with some of the games, like they'll let you play the games for whatever portion they have finished, or you watch a trailer. Um, you watch some trailers, or you watch the developers go through the game themselves, and they also they have a partner with them that sort of narrates what's going on and and points out the features that we should be paying attention to. Okay. Um, So, why don't you guys give us a rundown of the stuff you covered at E3? Sure. Well, some of the... There were a few technologies that we came across uh, that were quite interesting. Um, The three main ones were the Xbox Connect, or used to be called Project Natal, the PlayStation Move, they're uh, also a motion controller thing, uh, and the Nintendo 3DS, uh, we got hands-on with the 3DS. Our colleagues, the other half of the review crew, had some time with the Kinect and the PlayStation Move. Uh, Natalie actually was the first to get some hands-on with uh, 3DS. What did you think about it? Um, it was right after the press conference, and they had, like, 200 girls. Um, if you've ever seen the show Deal or No Deal, like, just march out wearing the same outfits, and they all had 3DSs chained to their to their belt. It was kind of weird. Um, and then after the press conference, everyone uh, scrambled to take a look at them, and... My initial impression was like it's very cool. It's a very crisp screen, but some of the movement looked very blurry when it was 3D. And I didn't know if it was just the demo or like what happened. But later on, when we uh, visited the Nintendo booth, we had at least would you say 30 minutes with uh, close to a half an hour. close to half an hour with uh, various DS games. Like uh, we played a submarine game. We played I played a bit of Nintendogs, and we also played this augmented reality game. And uh, None of the motion seemed blurry at all. Like it was, it was pretty. It was it was clear and uh, and and sharp. I was really impressed with the 3ds. It not only like the games are not quite. They're not all ready yet. Um, it, a lot of it is proof of concept games, like the sub game, the augmented reality game, which is really cool. Is still proof of concept. They're not quite there with a, a marketed game yet. Um, but it looked really good. Surprisingly good. Uh, without having to have any glasses to get this 3D effect. And you can switch the 3D effect as well, either make it really deep or remove it all completely and have just a 2D screen, which still looks good as well. And the screen that they've got is a really crisp, colorful-looking screen. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. Um, I was really surprised about, like, this 
solid step up in technology from Nintendo, which you know in the past has not really spent much time on graphics um, or that type of technology. They've wanted to make accessible games instead. So this is quite an interesting change for them. Uh, I quite liked it. I even watched a movie, a 3D movie trailer on it. Um, the Owls movie, I can't hear it's 3D. Oh, the Gahooli or something? Yeah, something like that. But anyway, that looked fantastic. So what we also saw was the, um, the Xbox Connect. There was a big launch of this uh, early on the Sunday before E3 where Microsoft had uh, hired Cirque du Soleil to launch the product or give an impression of that product. Uh, it looks really cool. Uh, but we still haven't had enough time to have some hands-on with the, the technology and the games. And I'm still concerned that there's not a lot of uh, connect- solid games. Like they're, they're, very solid games. Wii, they're very like Nintendo Wii games. Like you've got your racing game, your sports games, your, your fitness games, and you're playing with animals games. But I don't think there's any sort of solid game that we've seen, except for the Star Wars game that like, I think would, um, people would play after 10 minutes of like putting the disc in and then walking away. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it's um, it's <laughs> it's something that is interesting and concept. I think it works, especially if maybe for a, a fitness game. Ubisoft has a game called Your Shape, uh, which has your the Nintendo Connect or Nintendo Connect. Huh? The Xbox Connect can see your feet moving, your arms moving. It can map out your uh, your joints. Uh, your joints. It, it your sees your skeleton, which is kind of creepy. It's a uh, it's neat, and I think it could actually be a really useful tool for some, you know, for a workout activity. Uh, but we're watching it in the play for some of the games, like uh, they demoed uh, Forza. Uh, it basically has to strip down the game. At this point, the game has to be ridiculously stripped down in the way that it, um, in the way that you interact with it to make it work. So, uh, playing driving a car in Forza, you can't. It has to be automatic. It has to be either go or slow down. Um, and go is when you move your hands forward and slow down is when you move your hands back and steer and that's it so it removes a lot of the complexity and i would say enjoyment from a game by uh really stripping it down and then my question is how many games can you make that are really stripped down i think the core gamer is actually probably going to be quite uh bored bored yeah with it Mm -hmm. playstation move um that's a really fancy way of calling a nintendo wii uh, or looking at the Nintendo Wii, it has a little Except bit more... ice cream cone. Yes. Electric ice cream cones. Looks like electric ice cream cones. Uh, so it's, uh, it's one of those things where we wonder why the, has the technology really not improved that much. It seems like it's really based on the Wii, whereas Xbox is moving somewhere else um, without having a controller. Didn't, Sony also, I think, demoed some 3D with the Move. Yes, I think so. and so and Sony was big in the 3D display, um, so our 3D gaming, which was quite interesting. Uh, it looks good. You have to have your glasses to watch it on your 3D TV, um, and I think that they're the ones who are moving um, the industry quite forward on the on that at least on real 3D, uh, meaning the ones that, that that branded 3D that requires the glasses. Uh, uh, watching somebody use the move. And uh, using watching it in 3D is kind of neat. Uh, but again, I need to see more of it. We need to see more games. Uh, at least they have more games um, on the way than Connect does. Um, so they may, uh, may grow their market share with that. So those are our three big technologies that we saw. We also saw some games that we liked. Uh, we couldn't see all of them. The problem is it's just such a massive show. There are three of us at the review crew um, we could only see as yeah, so much. Uh, Natalie, what were some of the favorite games that you had run across? Um, well, definitely my favorite was Portal 2. And uh, it was, it's funny that uh, Valve, the developer, was slated to have like a big, a big you know, Portal 2-themed event at E3, and there was all this news, and we were expecting, like, well, maybe something cool is going to happen. And then they pulled out, and the only announcement we got from them was that uh, you're going to see Steam on the PlayStation Network, which is cool because the the Steam Network is very good. You can get free updates and free user contents. But uh, for, anyway, so Valve was showing Portal 2, like a, I'd say a 20-minute uh, pre-recorded gameplay demo that showed off the new game gameplay mechanics, a bit of the story, um, and, and a bit of like what happened since, uh, I don't want to spoil anyone, since the, the destruction of Aperture Science there. Um, some of the cool gameplay mechanics was uh, there's liquids, that change the surface, the, the properties of the surface you're on. So you can have a liquid that makes you run faster or um, one that bounces you around. And you can direct um, 
<coughs> sorry, the liquids come through a, a tube and you can direct that with the portals, which is kind of cool. And there's also um, plenty of like new sort of weapons, I guess, like a, a thermal beam that can be directed with the portals again and also a prism. There's uh, vacuum tubes that can like suck up your enemies and you don't have to face them in combat. Um, but it still, I think, retains a lot of the, from what I saw, it retains a lot of the same sort of portal humor and story and that it's a very, it's, it's simple, it's deceptively simple that you just have a portal gun and you have to get through the levels, but there's so much more to it. Um, we also saw a new character. He's, he's British and a bit bumbling. Um, I'm not sure if I like him quite yet, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, and then the other game, well, the other two games, there's XCOM, which is a remake of uh, sort of a tactical turn alien RPG shooter game, if I can describe it like that. Uh, it's being redone by Take-Two Marin, um, one of the, the companies in Australia, and uh, it was a 20-minute demo. It, it looks fairly good. Um, uh, it, I think it's going to be interesting. It's, a, it's obviously another shooter, but I think the way that they've done the graphics and the choices you have to make um, regarding the missions you take, how they, the missions have consequences. You can, If you take one mission, it'll help the civilians, but you don't get any tech to do R&D. But if you take a mission that where you can collect alien technology, you uh, obviously don't bene- you don't help out um, the civilians, and they um, don't approve of your project as much. Um, there's not as much of a HUD, which is interesting, um, a heads-up display. Like uh, when you bring up the map in your notebook, traditionally that would be just sort of a menu, but here in XCOM, it's it's an it's a map that and uh, and a notebook, which is is kind of cool. And then the last game that I was really really excited about was uh, Fallout New Vegas. Um, I, I, I bought all the the expansions and and so a return to Fallout New Vegas looks pretty awesome. Like I don't think there's very much that has changed in terms of look and and gameplay, but they have tweaked um, how your uh, karma is done. It's no longer like if you kill a bunch of people, you're evil. It's more karma is more how you view yourself. And then there's a thing called reputation. So if you do jobs for groups, um, groups, uh, uh, other gangs that hate that group will dislike you more. Um, but yeah, Fallout New Vegas. I, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to spend a hundred more hours opening up boxes and, and shooting mutants. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound like a bad way to spend your time. No, it's just I won't do anything else. Unfortunately, I have to find a new hobby every time that Natalie plays uh, plays Fallout because basically I have to leave the house um, and do something else. Oh, you could come on the podcast more, Darcy. Oh. Yeah, I could, as long as I've got something of, of, of valuable opinion to say. You know, there's a couple of games that I had interest. Do you want me to uh, you know, highlight some of those? Yes, please. Super. Um, I'm a big fan of Assassin's Creed, uh, both 1 and 2, although 1 had its problems to improve them somewhat uh, and made it somewhat less repetitive. Uh, we saw Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and I had an opportunity to interview uh, one of the developers at Ubisoft. Uh, it's a very it looks like a very fun game. Uh, the idea behind Brotherhood is that it is a continuation of Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2. It's not an expansion pack, um, and it's not, it's not no way DLC. It's a full game. Uh, they're calling it the sequel to Assassin's Creed 2, but it is not Assassin's Creed 3. So it mm-hmm. follows the storyline between uh, that basically 10 years later in both in uh, the character uh, Ezio Auditore, uh, Auditore his, it follows his story more and elaborates more on uh, what is going on in uh, the current time with uh, Desmond Miles, who, uh, is, who is uh, experiencing the uh, genetic history of his ancestor Ezio. At the end of the game, isn't he just running away? They've, they have to escape the, uh, the complex. Yes. Mm. If you're totally... If you've not played oh, Assassin's Creed 2 yet, you've been spoiled. But yeah, at the end of the game, uh, Desmond Miles is in the back of a truck uh, escaping from the uh, Templars. It's a fantastic game, and I recommend it. So Assassin's Creed Brotherhood picks up uh, basically right there. We look at uh, basically looking at the story of Ezio um, going to Rome and taking on a brand new uh, uh, Identity, enemy. Well, it's the it's, it's the, the son of the pope. The son of the pope, and his pope being the pope being his enemy from the previous game. It's a little ridiculous in that respect. But um, what looks really cool is that it's a full single player game. They've changed some of the game mechanics, and that it is much more. Uh, you have to be much more aggressive and offensive in this game. Not offensive as in 
disgusting, but offensive is in like, you know, not defensive. Um, and uh, it, that actually changes the way that you'll play the game, which I'm looking forward to. Plus, as a master assassin, uh, you get to train other assassins and create a whole like, brotherhood of assassins to fight the Templars. The important thing for this new game, though, is not just the single-player thing, but now Ubisoft is introducing the multiplayer element into the Assassin's Creed franchise, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, the Rather than have you play Ezio, which uh, kind of screws with the storyline of experiencing the um, history of uh, this genetic uh, ancestry, this genetic uh, memory, it goes into... Uh, the genetic memories of a number of different uh, Templar assassins, the bad guys. And the multiplayer lets you take the role of any one of these Templar assassins as they go back in time into Rome and they all fight to uh, become master assassins themselves. And uh, the idea of running around the city with a bunch of other assassins on your tail or your job to assassinate some of them using the the mechanic of sneaking up and jumping on people and uh, Skewering them with whatever weapon you might have. I'm very excited about it. Saw a lot of gameplay. It looks exciting. It looks fantastic. And uh, so I'm stoked. Um, Trevor, did you ever play GoldenEye 007 on the N64? Yes, I did. I never had an N64, but I had many friends that did. And like many good uh, Mac first-person shooter uh, people, we were all big fans of Marathon. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, GoldenEye was just... uh, progression from marathon to that uh as we all know marathon later ended up becoming halo yes um and anyway i won't go into the connection between marathon and halo because i think there is actually a plot connection there but i'm just being a nerd on that one. Oh, there uh, is okay you you're, you agree good yes yeah. uh so the uh i was really and i almost ridiculously excited to see that goldeneye 007 is coming back for the wii Unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's for the Wii. And, and actually, surprisingly, I figured that actually after Perfect Dark was announced uh, and came to uh, Xbox Live Arcade, I figured that GoldenEye 007 would be coming back right after it. Um, but there have been a lot of legal issues with this game, uh, with Rare, uh, the developer, yeah, the original yeah. developer. But um, what Nintendo has done, and it was a fairly significant announcement from them, is uh, they've remade GoldenEye 007. It looks fairly similar to how it did 10, 11 years ago. Um, it, oh, I mean, it looks 15. It looks, I mean, it still looks good. It looks good on the Wii. Um, they've improved the gameplay, uh, and we had some real solid hands-on with the multiplayer. multiplayer on this, and I'm really excited about playing more of this um, because it basically brings me back to what it was like in high school to kill many, many hours of my time playing uh, GoldenEye. Uh, another thing they've changed in the new GoldenEye 007 is that they've taken out Pierce Brosnan and replaced him with Daniel Craig. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but from what I heard when we spoke to the developer, they're keeping very a lot of it intact. The single-player game will be very similar to the single-player game and the movie. Uh, and uh, multiplayer will have a lot of the same levels that we uh, quite liked. No word on whether there will be slappers, um, that, or throwing knives. Or throwing knives. Um, but I'm pretty sure there will be a golden gun level um, <laughs> or mode, which is very exciting for me. Uh, also, Oddjob, um, who Natalie hates because he's short. And his head is huge. It's an unfair target. Um, also gets to throw... Uh, he has. He can throw his hat, and it can stick into walls, and it can totally kill people. And I took Natalie out many times. Um, I'm going to blame my equipment here. We had the, the, nunchuck, the nunchuck and the Wiimote uh, dealies, and I, I didn't like it. Oh, were you playing with the nunchuck? Oh, you were playing with a classic controller? Well, no wonder! <laughs> well, I can see... Uh, I'd love to try GoldenEye playing with the uh, Wiimote in a gun-based uh, add-on there. There's plenty of games that'll let you do that. I don't think uh, GoldenEye's the only one, but I think if they, if they could... Uh, it's the whole it's retro thing. Four controller, I think that would also be awesome. Yeah, I think so. There's, that, there's something we also, at the same time as we were touring the Nintendo booth, got uh, I got some hands on with the new uh, Legend of Zelda, um, which is you know it's another Zelda game, um, but using it with the Wii Motion Plus, Wii Motion Plus uh, is is kind of neat, um, and actually kind of makes me think that the the Wii Motion Plus is not that far off from what Sony's doing with its PlayStation Move. Um, 
there's a lot of one-to-one movement going on. And uh, I think the move is still a little bit, is a technology jump ahead, um, but it was neat to play uh, with the Wii Motion Plus, uh, having Link's uh, sword move where you are moving your uh, Wiimote. So, very cool. Another game that I want to point out was Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, the MMORPG from Bioware. I've yep. been excited about this for uh, over a year, yep. maybe two. Um, one thing I should point out, too, one, is that I'm excited about the game. Two, the a new trailer came out at E3, which looks sweet. And if you haven't seen it, uh, look for it online. We do have it on uh, thereviewcrew.com. And uh, the third point I'd like to make is really we still don't have any sense of what the gameplay is going to be like. So I'm really giddy about the game and excited to play it. Um, I know good stuff comes out of Bioware, but uh, EA is killing us by not giving well, us Well, you know what the gameplay is going to be like. Go out and find me uh, five lightsaber crystals. Oh, okay, then uh, go find me a handle. Okay, uh, and then go find me the focuser. It's going to be like that. You're being cynical. I Well, because that game is going to destroy our lives. <laughs> it's like crack, digital crack. Yeah, I'll have to ask actually win the lottery so I can support our habit on that one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the, you know, the recap of some of our favorite games that we saw at E3 this year. So, with the n- new Nintendo technology, is it just an add-on for the Wii, or is it something that's going to be in a new system? The Wii Motion Plus? Wii Motion yeah. Plus is, actually, it already exists. Yeah. It's been out for a little bit of time. Nobody's, uh, it came out in around Christmas time, I think holiday, with the new Wii Sports um, it is. Uh, it's all for the Wii, and nobody announced a new, um, a new console as such. Everybody was announcing add-ons because the idea is that we're going to be seeing a lot. Consoles are going to have a more of a lifespan than uh, they used to when you're getting a new console every few years. So um, you you have you get to keep your old console, um, but uh, there's always some sort of something else you can add on to it. And Wii Motion Plus is one of those things. Uh, it's it adds into the bottom of your Wiimote, just to it adds, make yes, it clear. It adds into the bottom of your Wiimote. It, it detects your, your motion a little bit better um, so that you can play games and uh, move a little bit more fluidly with the character on the screen. Uh, it's interesting. Um, but again, man... I'm a guy who grew up with a controller with a lot of different buttons. And so it's hard to move back to a simpler technology without feeling that I'm losing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got that uh, feeling too. I wanted to play Spider-Man Web of Shadows. Uh, they have a PC version and also Ultimate Alliance uh, 2, but uh, they didn't have a PC version for that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just can't play games where it just requires you moving around with the Wiimote. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's very different. Uh, it's a different experience, but then again, we're not the target market for a lot of these products, and uh, everyone, even, most people recognize it, even the developers recognize it, the uh, people making the consoles. They know that these products are for uh, people who haven't gamed before, for casual gamers, uh, the people who that untapped market, which is really quite significant so i can't blame them for making these products um but but all the games they announced this year nintendo announced a huge a huge roll call of of titles they trade very much in nostalgia and very much on people our age like sort of the early 30s late 20s mid 20s like games we remember playing growing up and people i think who are very aware of games are into gaming or like you know have a, a passing knowledge with it they're not like mothers who are like oh what's that funny machine like um, seeing Kid Icarus there, we have a new Kirby title. Um, what Donkey else? Kong Don- there's Donkey Kong Country, which we remember fondly, and uh, you know, it's it's that stuff that's coming back. So it's a weird Nintendo thing going on. Like, there's very much like, hey, here's a Wii Sports for kids who don't have the hand-eye coordination. But then there's all these games for people who have nostalgia. Like, I think know. I think it goes both ways. I think that Nintendo has realized it's created an interesting market space that it, it really has owned for quite some time, which is this kind of family gaming environment. Um, but they've had a hard time latching on to the core gamers um, and maybe even some of the more senior gamers, uh, senior being the, the 30 and 40-year-olds and, and um, those people that have grown up with consoles. Um, and they have to do things that will pull us back to the, to the Wii. And uh, so speaking, uh, my experience, for example, is that I haven't really played a lot of Wii. I've even played some, and it's very exciting when it first came out. Um, but I know a lot of people that have had uh, dusty Wiis for quite some time. Uh, I didn't mean to make a joke there. Well, but, like, uh, 
from my experience, right? Like I love playing racing games on the Wii. I much prefer it over Xbox or uh, PlayStation, right? Uh, just because of the way the Wiimote works, you know, in a steering wheel fashion, right? When you put in a steering wheel add-on. I have a hard time with that because I'm the one who moves his controller around in a really jerking it all over the place, and I really have to change the way that I play, which is not a bad thing. I just really have to make a significant effort to change if I'm going to play a racing game on, on the Wii. Um, I, I, I like my old controller. But having games like uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns and uh, GoldenEye 007 come back and bringing those retro games out, it's not for the casual gamers. It's for gamers like us who have an Xbox. Um, they want to lure us back to the Wii. Damn uh, you, Nintendo! And they're going to because 007. Yeah, there's going to have to be some sleepovers, I think, at our house with, like, uh, you know, Coke and popcorn, and we'll be in our sleeping, our tauntaun sleeping bags, and we'll be staying up late playing uh, Goldeneye. Yeah. Well, just think of, uh, like, for people our age who have kids, right? They'll buy this, and a few years they'll say, when I was your age, going to high school, this is a game I played and loved, and I'm going to kick your butt in it. You think you're good? Bring it on. <laughs> And you know that's that's exactly what uh, I was I was impressed with Donkey Kong Country Returns. It doesn't look that different from the original Donkey Kong Country, um, and it has the two-player element of Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, and that's fun for me. But I can imagine playing it with kids. Um, I can imagine you know having kid uh, play as Diddy Kong, and if we come to a challenging point, they can press a button. Diddy Kong can jump on Donkey Kong's back, and I can help get them through that challenging spot. Um, Nintendo's done some good things with these games in that they've really made it accessible for a look for a family to play at the same time without feeling that it's dumbed down or that it's too complicated. Uh, it has a really interesting middle ground that they they work really well. So kudos to Nintendo uh, for what they've been doing with the Wii and their announcements this year. I think. Well, Nintendo's <laughs> been leading the way for this. I mean, PlayStation and Xbox has been. Uh... Basically, for the hardcore gamers, you know, they're targeting mostly males. Sorry, Natalie. That's just an aggressive. Targeting mostly young males who have a lot of money that want to play first-person shooters. I think they both grew out of that. I think they're um, the titles that have been their anchoring titles, especially with the Xbox, is all about that. Um, but... They realized that they may have missed the boat or that they lost a lot of market share to Nintendo when they ignored that family or uh, that casual gamer uh, environment. So uh, I think we're going to see changes from both of them. Especially with the motion controllers coming out, we're going to see. With both everyone having a motion controller means that everyone can play in that same space. Agreed. It just depends on the type of games uh, that get released. Nintendo's got a far reaching lead over. Uh, PlayStation and Xbox when it comes to family-friendly uh, gaming because I know a lot of parents aren't going to be wanting their you know, five, six-year-old playing Halo doing headshots. <laughs> yes. Or, or as we were playing uh, a lot of Red Dead Redemption lately and uh, there's a fair amount of um, quality violence in that game. So, uh, you know, it's a little different when you're a uh, hedgehog and you spin around and you you know, hit a robot and it turns into a bunny. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Versus, you know, a massive gore splatter and it's all over the camera and you zoom in on the, on the brains being, you know, just there. Mm-hmm. There are a couple, um, beyond the games, we had a couple of complaints about E3. This was being, this is our first E3 and we're definitely going to go back because one, it's a lot of fun. And two, it's a, a good sense of, gives us a good sense of what's coming out for the next year. Um, Natalie, you've already touched kind of on the lack of new IP, mm-hmm. uh, the not a lot of new games coming out. Well, I, I mean that's 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 sort of a problem with the game with the games industry in, in general is that you rely if you have one hit, then you keep pumping out the the sequels. And I think it was really evident in um, Nintendo's uh, uh, the, the list of titles they put out. Yeah, like yes, it's awesome to see Goldeneye and Donkey Kong and all that, but it's like, well, when are you going to start making new IPs that? kids of, of this gaming generation can latch onto and it'll be their Mario or their, like, uh, you know, uh, Kirby. Um, and I think um, we're starting to see that, but it's going to be from third parties. 
Yes. Third, uh, third-party developers like Epic Mickey from from Disney is looks to be a very interesting game, and it's only on the Wii. And that was the only third-party game. I was like, yes, that that looks very cool, and it's a new IP. But we did see some new IP too when we went to the Bethesda booth and got mm-hmm. a tour there. They've got a new game coming out called Rage. It's actually from uh, id Software, but Bethesda's acquired it. Uh, it is made. Um, you know, Doom, Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Yes. You know. um, and so they could have gone back to that, and they actually made a real strong point about we want to make a new IP. So it's not all old IPs and sequels, but there's a lot of them out there. Even we went to this uh, an Xbox party, and it was really telling that all of the titles that they had in this room for us to play were sequels. So there was Rock Band Three, there was Gears of War, Gears of War Three, there was Dead Rising Two, Fable Three, Fable Three, and Force Unleashed. Two. two. Those were all the games there, and they were all sequels. Um, that's where you know, Microsoft is banking on selling a lot based on these IPs that have been created. I guess it's not too bad. People spend a lot of money on creating these IPs. It's nice to see the new stuff from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, would you say that our generation is going to be mostly responsible for the death of any creativity in the gaming market? <laughs> no, I, I, not at all. We saw um, some Xbox Live arcade games. Um, that v- three games, very different. They're coming out. The, they're part of the summer of arcade, and um, they're great indie games. Like I think they're they're proof of like you can deliver a game that's you know a smaller budget and a smaller price, but just as much fun. We saw a game called Limbo um, that's sort of the puzzle game, but it's very stylized. It's very black and white, and you play a little boy that has to escape all these puzzles and. Uh, it was it was fun and yet challenging because we drowned over and over and over again. It was very <laughs> that poor sad. little boy. Every, that game reminds me a lot of Braid. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, that but, same sort of style. Like a, it's a different look, but they're both very stylized. They're not just a normal platformer. But with some really good puzzles involved. Yeah, and then we saw a physics shooter that was that its big thing was like, look how realistic the water reacts and how uh, fire uh, there. You can shoot barrels that float on the on the water. And then the oil that spreads, the fire can come towards you or move away, and that was really cool. And then uh, I think that, our, called, that one was called hydrophobia. Uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a, also a good example. It's a three D shooter. They're pointing at the point that you can make a, a quality three D shooter with its own physics engine, um, downloadable through mm-hmm. uh, you know, through Xbox Live Arcade. So that was impressive. Yeah, I, and I think those two really proved. And the third game we saw, which was super super cool, I think it was the favorite of all all four of us, was. Um, you're, you play a comic book character and you play your way through different styles of comic books. So you've got your traditional superhero one, then you've got a manga one, um, a pencil sketch one, I think. Um, and I think we've seen now, and I think sort of Portal kicked it off, is we're seeing indie games that are coming to the consoles, they're coming to, to PC and Mac, and they're really innovative. And, um, and I think there's we're going to start seeing a lot more avenues of this content coming through because it's going to be easier and that people want to play them and we're ju- we're not just content to play you know Gears of War three although we'd like to I'd also like to you know it, it's like eating your vegetables right you gotta it, you have to and if you if you do it just right then it's not enjoyable yeah um one thing that uh, Microsoft plans to do when they launch their Windows Mobile 7 platform, is have the cross between the PC, the Xbox, and the phone for the gaming. Yeah. Now, in the last podcast, um, Trent was telling me how they had uh, Doom 3 for the... or uh, Sorry, Doom for the iPhone. Yes. And that it was very playable. Mm-hmm. So, can you see these high-intensity graphics games... Being cross uh, ported for the different platforms. I don't think we'll be able to see high intensity graphics games. I think you know we're it'll be uh, old school Doom. Uh, we'll some fairly simple platformers. I think that we could see some Xbox Live uh, arcade. I think stuff there's some support for Xbox Live. Like I think I, I think from from the way Min, Min, eh, Microsoft was presenting at the press conference was that. Yeah, you're going to have it on your Windows Live Seven, but it's going to be more like, hey, you can see who your friends are online, you can see their achievements, you can, if you see some DLC, some downloadable content that you really want, you can push it straight to your console, and so when you come home and turn it on, it starts downloading right away. But I don't think it's it's a gaming um, system; it's more of an ecosystem that they've created. But we will see some games, and I've seen it demoed from Microsoft before. They they had a uh, a demo game of a of a um, 
Indiana Jones game. It was a simple platformer, and you could play it on your computer at work. I mean, you should be working at work. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you could play it on your computer. You could pause it, stop it, or save it, or whatever. You could turn it on to your phone, assuming your phone is more is powerful enough, and the iPhone should be powerful enough, or most smartphones should be now. Well, it'll be obviously a Windows 7 phone. I doubt they'll oh, have a port right, for the so iPhone. Thanks for reminding me on that one. So it'll be a Windows 7 phone. And you turn it on that, and then you can play that, and you can turn it off, and then you could also turn it on your TV when you're done with that on your um, you know, on your Xbox. It will have to be. There will be a limit to what that quality of game will be because you'll be having. You'll have to require the lowest common. You have to deal with the lowest common denominator being your phone. But um, I think we'll see more of that as well. On top of the, um, we could also see companion games too. Like um, when they did Fable Two, you could download before the game came out uh, the pub games. So maybe we would see sort of companion games alongside that. Like say for Mass Effect, you could start playing card games or gambling or something, so you could earn more credits or something. And like they that. all interact with each yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, Microsoft is Bill Gates that said way back when, uh, anywhere, any device, any time, or something to that effect. Um, it's always been a bit of a, a dream of, uh, of, micro, or of uh, Microsoft's, and uh, with the technology that we have now, it's very close. Uh, we're we're a, year, a year away, we're months away, possibly, even to seeing uh, this type of uh, you know, change in the way that we uh, work with the technology, especially with gaming. Okay, now the big question. No. Oh. What would it take for Microsoft to get you off your iPhone? Because <laughs> um, they're awfully late to the game. I mean, Android's already surpassed iPhone for sales. Yeah. iPhone still about 20-some percent, uh, over 20% of the market. I need something... One, if I just go for the hardware, I need something, and I'm going to be really superficial about this. I need a phone that looks good and feels good in my hand. The iPhone is that right now. Um, and I, you know, there are a few things that have competed, uh, compete with it so far. Um, it needs to be, it needs to easily interface with everything else that I'm doing. And I like having the iPhone and it easily interfaces with iTunes. It easily interfaces with the Mac. Um, that said, we have a Windows pro- we have a Windows machine, and we have an Xbox, and making it all one big happy family, and giving me motivation to have that Windows Seven phone so that I can get more out of that experience, out of my experience with the other devices. Um, it'll it'll take that type of demonstration to really get me there. Natalie, you. Uh, for my cold dead hands, Bill Gates will have to come to my house and smash the iPhone. <laughs> that's that's what it would take. And you wouldn't buy a new iPhone. You would. I would. I would go buy a new iPhone. Like I. Oh, it's, it's an opportunity to get the iPhone four. Yeah, like and I, I think like the HTC, like the the Android operating system, like we got our hands on like very early when it first came to Canada, and it just didn't feel as comfortable. And and I'm sure they made some great strides. They've got some handsets now that are really awesome, but like. I just, I, I use my iPhone for everything now. Like, just, uh, I read books on it. I, you know, I'm on Twitter. I read my email. I, th- there's nothing I, I don't do with my iPhone pretty much. Like, yeah. it's kind of, it's unfortunately, like, we are locked into the ecosystem right now. Well, th- that's more or less my point. I mean, unless Microsoft comes out with something absolutely re- revolutionary. Yes. Who's going to buy it? Yeah. Yeah. And so it will have to be, well... Yeah, it'll have to be really revolutionary. It'll have to be the type of thing where I go, wow, I can't believe I've been living without that for so long. It has to be what the iPhone was when it came out. When Android came out, it was more for the people that are just sick of the iPhone. Yes, I know those people. But I think now it's a legitimate uh, contender for a, for a smartphone. It yeah. is. I would I would prefer to go to an Android platform simply because it's not in a sense more open than the iphone but i can choose to do more with it yeah it lacks a structured morality that the iphone has the uh the the apple environment has a a very thou shalt do and thou shalt no boobies no boobies on your iphone um whereas boobies galore on the on the uh (laughs) android well that's not what we're getting the android for but no uh, right i wasn't yeah of course not and of course i was getting a call Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. Um, Yeah, because that's... um, Like, generally, Windows 7 
mobile yeah will be targeted towards people with exchange servers yes and high end i guess it would be more for the high end gamers I uh, that one's hard to say. It depends on the quality of the um, the gaming that you can do with it. Um, if you really want to, uh, it, it strikes me from what I've seen is that the uh, high end gamers um, don't want to go to a basic platformer that they can play on their on their phone, uh, and they like their big TVs or whatever it is that we've got technology-wise in the near future, whether it's, I think we're going to an augmented reality world in the future, but... I'm just trying to... Sorry, I was just trying to figure out where Microsoft's trying to target this device. Like, obviously, it's for the exchange. But then they are, like... um, I really didn't want to bring this up, but I'm going to now. (laughs) Uh, Like, with uh, Microsoft Kin ads. Yes. You've seen those ads? That's clearly targeted towards a a teen and tween audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I've seen uh, and heard is that uh, Windows um, Mobile 7 is targeted toward, they would love to steal the BlackBerry crowd. Um, And I think it's very doable. Um, If you've got your Microsoft Exchange server at work, um, this makes everything so easy. It creates uh, your mobile work environment, and that's something that is much more challenging to do on any other smartphone. So I think that'll be their main target, um, the starting target, at least, for uh, that operating system. So uh, be- just because I'm, like this is not by no means stereotyping, but typically business users don't typically... Do a lot of gaming. No, but I think that'll the, the, it'll be part of it. So they're splitting off their uh, target market to get the business users, the business users, and the kids of business users. Um, and there are a lot of business people out there who like to play casual games at work. <laughs> yes, a lot of casual games, but the money-making titles wouldn't be so popular. So I'm just like uh, I know what Microsoft like. Maybe they're trying to future-proof Windows Seven Mobile, which I don't think you can do with a mobile OS. I honestly don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? They're trying to future-proof it so they can they can compete with the iPhone. They can compete with BlackBerry, but again, I guess in typical Microsoft style, they're trying to do everything instead of doing something really well one thing really well which all these other platforms actually do Mm -hmm. like for android it does web surfing playing flash and that kind of stuff really well yeah the iphone syncs with itunes and your media really well and blackberry does your exchange server really really well but I think that Windows 7 would do really well uh, that uh, engaging with all of your other Office suite, uh, and I know you want to talk later about Office um, 2010, but I think that Windows 7 uh, you know, on, the, on the mobile OS will try and uh, take advantage of that uh, and make it so that it's easy for you to adjust PowerPoint or adjust a Word document or an Excel file um, straight easily with your phone. I think that's one place they'd like to be. I know that's a... Sorry. I know that's a place they'd like to be. Mm -hmm. Have you tried using iWork (laughs) on your iPhone? No, I haven't. Have you tried to edit uh, using, uh, say, uh, Google Spreadsheet? Have you tried to do any of that on your iPhone? No, not on my mobile phone. Are you saying it's pretty easy, so they're going to have a lot of competition? Uh, no, I'm saying it's very difficult because the screen's too small. Oh, well, maybe we'll see something different from... Uh... I mean, that's why there's the iPad. That's why they're uh, yes. you know, pushing that you can do spreadsheets on it and that kind of thing. Because just the phone platform itself, is, it's very tiny. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's I, just my point. So for the simple on-the-go edits, it might be okay, but for a massive edit, it'll be painful. 
Well, then, when you're on the go, I mean, you're either going to be doing... Somebody else is going to be driving, and <laughs> yes. you're going to be editing. Because you shouldn't be editing and driving at the same time. Uh, no, I think there are rules against that in most provin- in a few provinces already. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm just... I'm just kind of dumbfounded with... Uh, I'm not really surprised, but I'm just kind of dumbfounded with the direction Microsoft's taking. I mean, after all, with the success they've had with Windows 7, mm-hmm. I mean, after going back to being simple. Well, it gives me the feeling that they're late to the party, but I still want to see it, and I want to see how it goes. So I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt until I get some real hands-on time with it. And I'd like to see it, too. Yeah. More or less so I could talk about it, but... <laughs> yes. Anything um, else uh, you wanted to chat about there? About E3? or? Pardon me? Anything else about E3 you wanted to chat about before we have to kick off? Um, more or less, um, you guys enjoyed it? Uh, because I know for the most part, like it's mostly become just press conference compared to what it's been in the past. Right? Well, is- you know, it, there are a number of press conferences, and I think that's a good thing, but those press conferences are still filled with fans. And uh, in my other life, I work in uh, public relations, and uh, I've never been to a press conference. Until I started working uh, with the review crew, uh, I'd, rarely, I'd never been to a press conference where people clapped. And not only are we seeing press conferences where people clap, clap, but they scream and hoot and holler and cheer with every announcement. And so it's not just the media that's in these uh, r- rooms. It's, uh, it's the fanboys as well. And uh, Nintendo was a perfect example of that because... There's a lot of screaming behind us. But it's beyond that. There is still the showroom floor, and there's still all the booths. Uh, and Natalie, you even saw um, way too many booth babes as far as you were concerned. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it says something about um, how they perceive women, but also how they think that about the visitors who come to E3. They're assuming that they have no higher brain functions and that they're just slaves to their sex drive. That, that assumes... It's it makes poor assumptions about both sexes, and it's 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 too bad that we're we're seeing this. It's 2010. Why can't we let this, the product speak for itself? Or you know, and I mean, E3 has made some steps. They have they I guess they dictated how much skin could be shown in their outfits, like only like 40 percent. But obviously, things still had to be covered up. It couldn't just be like, oh, it's all it's all the top half is showing or something. But I, I just I just find it disappointing as a woman to. Um, not only are Booth Babes still there, but like the fact that a lot of the game protagonists that we've seen in the new games coming up are all male. Like Although we, it's nice to see in Gears of War three, they're introducing female. female characters, and they look normal. They look like the guys look, you know, abnormal. Like there's no way that um, um, Phoenix Marcus Phoenix can look like that in real life. But the girls look very reasonable. Like they don't have you know massive breasts in there. They're you know that hips aren't out of proportion. They look very normal. So that's kind of that's kind of welcome. But it's unfortunate it's taken two games to get there. Well, at least they're making strides, or at least they're trying to. Yeah, and I, I think they're realizing that um, that women do game, and that we are not just you know people who play Farmville or or you know whatever. That we do like to play games that are smart and games that you know that involve guns and 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 blood and zombies and gore. So, but but hopefully they they don't stop. They diversify what they games that are for women traditionally. Like I don't need to see a knitting RPG. Okay, I would like to see a knitting RPG. Now, would you say that you're? Well, I mean, certainly you're in the minority. But did you feel out of place at E3? Only once, and it was at an MMA uh, preview, like a, a mixed martial arts game preview. I was the only guy, the only girl there, and they were all for sites that dealt with like men's lifestyles or like uh, fighting video games. And I was the only one there that was sort of a general techie uh, uh, website. That's, but other than that, like it was very nice going to the bathroom. There was no one there. Um, <laughs> no one uh, hit on me except once at a Microsoft party. But that's that's fine. He was probably drunk, but it's it's cool. Like I don't I don't it, it, I don't think we should expect anyone pointing out like oh look there's a girl like you know it's they're they're mature grown ups too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys had an interesting time there. Certainly, we saw so much, and we'll definitely, I'll definitely. Well, yeah, I think we're um, we all our stuffs online still there. So, and I think a couple more stories might be coming out from our adventures. Yeah, we had some really good hands-on video that we took, some interview videos that we took. 
as well as um, some write-ups of some of the games that we ran into. And not all the games that we had some hands-on time we really liked. So it's nice to, well, not nice, but almost refreshing to do a preview um, or to read a preview, in my opinion, that says, look, this game is interesting, but I don't know if I'd play it. Um, so we we did do that if we had the opportunity or if we found a game that we just didn't quite jive with. So, uh, yeah, the website has a fair amount of content over our, from our experience over the last week in L.A. Okay. okay. And I'll be sure to put in the show notes there. Well, actually, I'll have to get that from you so you can, uh, you can email me that. Certainly. And I can put that in the show notes. Great. Um, just a... Off a related note, uh, did you guys know that Mortal Kombat's going away from the 3D and back to its original 2D roots? Yes, we saw that, and I actually think that it could be interesting. We just uh, did a post on that today, actually, on our hands-on for the... uh, I think it was a first look. Or as a first look at... um, It looks very, very good. It does, and they brought back the fatalities and everything else like that, too. (laughs) Oh, yes. So A whole new generation of moms need to be worried. Yeah, and appalled. Uh, you know what? I, the idea of bringing it back to 2D, and again, I think it's a, a little bit of, it speaks to our comfort with the, the technology. I think that it doesn't have to be 3D, and it doesn't have to be, I, and never mind 3D on a 2D screen, but a 3D jumping out at you. It can be a 2D game uh, that is just, it looks okay, it looks good, it doesn't look bad, um, but the gameplay is most important, and the uh, quality of the of the game is, is most important. So um, something like bringing it back to that classic look, uh, I find, I know I'm kind of pleased with it. I was very surprised and I thought it looked really good. It was something that I was pondering playing until I saw what platforms it was for. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's obviously not available for the Wii, so. No, Nintendo will have none of that. <laughs> But anyway, I think that pretty much wraps up our coverage of E3. Darcy, Natalie, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. And uh, Darcy, email me those links. I will indeed, yeah. Basically, www.thereviewcrew.com. I'll send it right along. Awesome. Thanks, Trevor. All right, thanks, guys. This is the Object Key Webcast. What's up on Google? PC. Trev, you got Vista 64 yet? His router's piece of garbage on that's probably the hyper-threading kicking in and the 20% faster per core. GTX 280. Google Docs. Not fun. Yeah, well, you know, you understand where Microsoft's trying to come from, where they're trying to change the file edit view menu. My money's going to be on, no, you will not have a problem. And, uh, yeah, I've had nothing but good experiences with it. Very big mistake if it wasn't backwards compatible because, I mean, they got harassed about Vista. Well, in the business world, if your apps don't work, you don't switch. The thing here is, I mean, the apps are backwards compatible. Yeah, but we heard this all before. You know what? I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it lasted you know, for five years, and I bet you. So yours will be better right now for rendering, but the i7s will be faster.